If you're looking for a fun, informative, and inspirational podcast, please check your listings for another podcast. Welcome to The Lighter Side of Dark, Season 3. Two of the world's greatest podcasters could not make it this evening. Instead, here are your hosts, Solio and Smith. Season three, episode three. Am I correct? I think so. I lose track. Once the season starts, it's it all becomes a big giant blur, doesn't it's it? One big blur. It just oh my all blends together, and I don't even remember what month it is. I'm pretty sure it's three, three, three. Uh, uh, threes are wild, or something. If we were playing cards, perfect. How are you, Solio? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm I, good. I, I, uh, I know you've had a, a, a busy, a busy week. That's a good thing. Yep, and I understand you had a very uh, relaxing, uh, very very well deserved uh, vacation in honor of uh, the anniversary. Anniversary. How many years have uh, you, you and your lovely, gorgeous, spectacular looking, out of your league wife, been married? Three years. Three years. Three years. In a so, row. In a row. In a yeah. row. Yeah, a couple, a couple of them been halfway decent, Good. right? Yes. Right. Yes. Most of them. Very cool. So uh, you went someplace, uh, did like a staycation? Did you just Siesta Key, where we could be? And don't start talking Spanish, man. I got to get out the translator. <laughs> you know, we could be away from people, but be in touch with nature. Two things right now that are, are kind of hard to hard to to do. So uh, she's been working real hard on cakes, and and uh, it was just nice to you know drag her away for a little and bit. For those of you that uh, haven't listened to the podcast before, first of all, shame on you. Um, Paul's wife is the uh, the chief executive officer, and uh, CBO also yes. the chief baking officer. That's correct of uh, of uh, Cuppy Cakes. Cuppy Cakes, who is up to I think seventy one thousand views a month on Pinterest now. Seventy one thousand views a month on Pinterest. on Pinterest. Still have no idea what that means, but that's a good that's a good thing. So it keeps keeps rising. Little by little, so it's kind of like kind of like uh, baking. It keeps rising. Just little by little. Yeah, yeah put it oh, I wish I had a rim shot Easton. right about then. That's see. That's the. That's why we don't have those buttons because we'd be we'd we'd have rim shots all over the place. Maybe we could ask our announcer Dave Anthony to uh, to uh, do a rim shot for us. You really want me to say that? No, yeah. no, no. Dave's always I, listening. I, 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 I definitely don't want you to. Uh, definitely don't want you to say that. You say enough, Dave. I heard your intro. But we always have to pay him every time he speaks. So I'm, a, Roy, those I'm not. I'm not Jewish, but when it comes to paying people, they add uh, up. You know, it adds up. Come it on, it kind of comes up. So um, yeah, things are. I, I heard uh, some good news. Uh, COVID cases going down. It's a good thing. Um, uh, President Biden said he would have a hundred million shots in arms within his first hundred days. And he's already halfway there, mm-hmm. over 50 million. I, I'm one of them. I actually got my uh, uh, dose, uh, dose one, and dose dose. I got uh, see there's Spanish dose, again, man. There We're gonna is. eventually start playing uh, Latin music. Uh, uh, next coming up this hour is gonna be old mamba mm-hmm. with your host Jose. Reggaeton hour. <laughs> Bad Bunny's coming up later. Oh, you know, hey, you know, Bad Bunny is uh, on uh, the WWE now. 
Really? Yeah. They're smart. They know they know who to cap how to capitalize on who's popular. Vin, Vince has always been pretty pretty. Uh, yeah, he's with he's that. actually been on there since the Royal Rumble. Is he, he in a what sort of role? Well, he he came on to be like a musical guest. Okay. Because you know everything's there's no live crowds anymore, so they got to do anything he can to get people to watch. True. And then uh, come to find out, he's a massive wrestling fan. So they. Um, uh, paired him up with uh, a guy who just got promoted from NXT called uh, Damian Priest. Okay. This guy's a badass. I mean, he's he's really going to be in he's wrestling be good, for a long time. Yeah. He he's got that. He could be a babyface or a heel and do either one. Yeah, that's well. important because you need that versatility, especially when you know Cena's going to remain the face because he, you know, that's a business move. You know, if before WWE was public, it was a little more interesting because you could just turn heels and faces when you wanted to flip the script but you know now you got to think about your your investors and uh and well, you know all of them are baby faces when they've got to go to the children's hospital exactly and, the veterans homes and, and he does like so that. much of that so you can't you know you can't touch him so you got to have some versatility you got to have someone who could play both oh, the sides. Uh, uh not to get off completely on a, on a on a wrestling tangent here but uh, the big show just signed with AEW it's interesting now is this a legitimate uh, alternative, or is this kind of, you know, the really just kind of going to go away? Is this where all the older stars are going to die, like the way um, Impact was at first, or is this different? Well, I've uh, I, I would say I'm probably I watch WWE every week on DVR because I can't possibly watch it live with oh. all the commercials and all the replays of what they did last week. Yeah. So I, I can watch an entire three-hour show in about an hour because I fast-forward through all the matches I don't like, and I stop and watch all the women's wrestling matches because I think those are quite entertaining. Um, easy to look at, and those women are athletic. They're really good now. It used to be an afterthought, the women's division, but they are very talented, and they train them. Yeah, they ended up getting Ronda Rousey there for a year. Now yeah. they've got uh, the MMA fighter Shayna Baszler is mm-hmm. there. She's a heel, of course. And um, and I, I still say that uh, Nia Jax looks like uh, Jennifer Lopez, uh, and you know, like somebody inflated her with a, an air hose, <laughs> but she's beautiful. She's a big, beautiful She's woman. a big, bad bitch. Huh? Yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, but yeah, she definitely kicked my ass. <laughs> but no, I think AEW is, uh, is is there to stay. It's got money. Yeah. Tony Khan's money. Okay. So, yeah, I don't I know mean, too much about it, but I'm I, familiar with I'm it. I'm not sure who has more money, Khan or, or McMahon. I think they're probably pretty close. Wow. So okay. uh, AEW can. So he's got up, the financial back. Yeah, and, and he's got he's got to deal with TBS. Yeah. So he's got the got the TV stuff. They got good. They've got good ratings. Back on to T- TBS always loves to go after the WWE. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and all the money that uh, that Fox paid uh, the WWE didn't know COVID was coming. True. Uh, because that really ended up putting a, a crimp into everybody's yeah. uh, lifestyle there. That's a good thing, though. I think like this, you know, just competition is a good thing. Now, if you have the the same means, then it's going to force them to be creative and keep keep thinking and get their product fresh. That's why they were so good in the 90s, because WCW forced them to be creative and, mm-hmm. and, and switch brought, things brought up. brought the Attitude Era. It did. That's yeah, what it really sure did. did. So we were talking about COVID, and then Paul took us down this primrose path of talking about wrestling, which is all that's, he ever wants to talk about. That's the lighter about. side. The, the, the <laughs> COVID's the dark. Wrestling's it's, it's the, lighter, the lighter side of the dark. We should call our podcast that. Good idea. Um, speaking of uh, podcasts, you can check us out online at lightersideofdark.com. That's our where our websites are. So if you want to see what Solio looks like with a good haircut, you can check our website out. There's actually a photograph of him. 
And uh, I'm on there, too, looking real cool with my little microphone in my hand. Oh, yes. looking sharp. And we're on Facebook, uh, Lighter Side of Dark. You can find us that way. All spelled the rational, normal, non-millennial yes. way. No tricks, no no Zs. or. or... And, uh, and Paul, of course, gave us the LSD nickname. So LSD podcast, not that kind of LSD. Not that we're closed-minded to such things. True. We ought to consider doing a show, doing a podcast just high as a kite. <laughs> That would be very interesting. Dude, we, we, we made a deal that if Trump won the election, we would do an entire podcast as Trump supporters. Thank God that never happened. Oh, that's right. Oof. What, what, what would we have to do to do an entire podcast of Trump supporters? We'd have to, first of all, we've got to get the right uh, dialect to our talking. Yeah, we And I uh, figure if, we have, if I give you a lobotomy and you give me one, we're there. Th- that's it. That's the main thing. We'd have to uh, drool a little more and... Uh, be a little so, more racist. So we were talking about um, our current president, uh, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden. Love that middle name. Hmm. Um, promised 100 million shots in arms within 100 days. Is already uh, over halfway there uh, in 37 days. So well on the way. Like I said, I got mine. And what is herd immunity, they say? It's got to be a third of the population I think so approaching herd immunity at that point cases are dropping there are some variants uh, that are that are that are hitting but I was listening to uh, uh, Anthony Anthony Fauci hit this guy hey, little, little Dr. Guy, Fauci little, yeah, little guy glasses seems to know an awful lot about the yeah. disease and stuff nice letting him uh, actually speak so now. I took a so I took a picture and I said it to him hey what's this rash look like to you is you serious <laughs> uh, he never got back to me but I did get a call from Homeland Security saying to quit sending uh, dick, dick pics to Fauci. So, uh, yeah, they seem to pay attention when you do that. It's true. They do. You get a response at least. So you were saying you went away for a little uh, vacation, Siesta Key. Yeah, Siesta Key. Got a, little, got a little recharge in the batteries. We're a couple days late getting this week's podcast up because I'm a hell of a guy. I said, you know something, so, uh, Paul, you can go ahead. You, go ahead. you can go ahead. I'll rearrange my life. So that you can do what you want to do. Don't even worry about me. Exactly. No big deal. So what has been uh, in the news lately that that you have noticed? Anything that... uh caught your eye? Uh, well, I mean, politically or just or otherwise? Anything. anything? It's, it's your show. It's it's Solio and Smith. Remember your top so. billing? I guess so. That's really that's that's the truth. I um. Let's see. What's what's the newest thing that is happening? I did right see now? something on on the same page. Uh, that uh, they were talking about uh, Biden's accomplishments with COVID. Mm-hmm. I did see something. How could this? Be news. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. A sheep. One sheep. Not a bunch of sheep. Okay. Or would that be sheeps? Sheep. I think it's sheep, sheep. Just sheep. Straight across the board. So, so sheep is plural? One sheep, two sheep, three sheep, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. <laughs> <laughs> and retail sheep, and half price Jew fish. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I saw that there, there was a, a sheep in, uh, over in Norway very popular area for sheep by the way didn't know if you knew that i didn't but um that the owners have yet to shear the sheep in its entire life ever and how old is it uh four and a half years old wow it is now walking around with 70 additional pounds oh my god of sheep fleece 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 sheep sheep fleece so what the it's fleece fleece on the sheep right 
you want to take the rest of the story because I'm struggling. <laughs> There's um, a lot of syllables here. Yeah, so sheep on the fleece. The fleece. Fleece. I'm going to edit all this out and post. Mount, Mount Mushmore. Mushmore. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this particular sheep is walking around with 70 additional pounds of fleece on its body. And you can't, you barely see like its nostrils sticking out. It can't even see Man, that about sheep. this. But my point is, is, why was that on the same page with COVID on the decline? How could this be news? See, Maybe they're trying to, to follow the format where we are, which is we talk about some of the really depressing stuff, but we also talk about stuff that really make, makes no difference in anyone's life. Speaking of sheep, you know how we segue. I love how we say yeah. right, something will come up and like you'll you'll talk about wrestling before you know it. We're, we're, we've done twenty minutes. Uh, did you uh, were you a fan of Tim Conway, the comedian? You know he was a little a little bit before my time. So like the Carol Burnett show was a little before my time, and I, I so I didn't see it very much in syndication. But I I am familiar okay. with him. Well, uh, he has uh, his his book that that he wrote. I think it was might have been six or seven years ago. And uh, okay. it was it was entitled uh, "So This Is Funny." Okay, and it was the Tim Conway story. Sure, and he talks about uh, how he grew up, and 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 so on, and how he was okay with being the second banana. Yeah, he didn't want to be the star of a show. He always wanted to be that character player, the sidekick, and the, the, yeah. and that's why he and Harvey Corman together in all those Carol Burnett clips, you cannot help but just bust a gut laughing at this yeah. guy. Well, he actually tells a story. In, in his book. And the, when I read his book, I didn't believe the story. Hmm. It, it sounded too far-fetched. Okay. And then I read Carol Burnett's book. And she corroborated the story almost line for line. Okay. From her perspective, she told it the same way. Okay. And uh, if you guys haven't figured it out, it, uh, it, it, involves, uh, it involves a sheep. So... <laughs> The, the Carol Burnett Show, at its peak of popularity, early 70s, on CBS, uh, an Australian affiliate of CBS, which I did not know, but then now I know there's CBS affiliates hmm. and NBA, NBC affiliates and ABC affiliates all over the world, said, we really want you to come to Australia and do two or three Carol Burnett shows at the Sydney Opera House. Okay. And it'd be real popular. You have a huge following over here, so they agreed to do it. This early '70s, so they they flew over. Most of the wives and husbands didn't go along on the trip because CBS wouldn't pay for them. Okay. Uh, Carol Burnett at that point was married to, I'm going to say Grant Tinker, who was the president of CBS at the time. So of course they went. And he president of CBS. Perk of being the president. Yeah, free trip to Sydney. And I guess. Tim Conway went there alone, and one particular evening, um, Conway was always trying to bust up Harvey Corman and Carol Burnett any way he could. The guy was a master at keeping a straight face. So one particular evening, Carol, uh, Carol Burnett and her husband wanted to uh, take Tim Conway out to dinner at a really nice restaurant. So they said, okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll pick you up about six. We'll come up and get you in the room. And you're ready. So my six o'clock rolls around, and they walk up, and uh, they get to his hotel room door, and it's kind of cracked open. So they're like, you know. And he goes, uh, Hey guys, I, I, I'm in the bedroom. Come on in. 
so they they walk into the hotel room, which is not unusual, you know, sure. uh, that kind of thing. So uh, he says, uh, he's oh, just uh, come on in the bedroom. I'm I'm going to be getting ready here in a couple minutes. So they walk into the bedroom, and in bed with Tim Conway, laying right next to him is a live sheep. And he's laying in bed with his hands behind his head and leaning against the leaning against the bed and he says he looks over at the sheep and goes, All right, listen, Barbara, my friends have got here, so I gotta go. I'll see you later. Kisses the the, the sheep on the nose, gets up out of bed in these white and red spotted boxers and walks towards the bathroom. Carol Burnett and her husband are literally on the floor <laughs> laughing. And and he's just he's in there putting on some clothes and comes walking out and the sheep's still just laying there per- live sheep by the yeah, way yeah yeah laying there perfectly fine he walks around and goes all right uh, Barbara we'll see you in a little while oh my God completely lost it <laughs> and so I did like I said I I, I heard the yeah. story I didn't believe it and I just and then I saw, I read it in the Carol Burnett book and and from her perspective talking about it she goes when we walked in there. Just him laying in bed with the sheep was just off the charts funny. But he was just so completely casual about yeah, it. Yeah, right. It's the and, way he delivered it. Oh, my God. And um, there, were, there were so many things about Tim Conway and the Carol Burnett show that um, uh, I always enjoyed. But now that I read those books, and I would highly recommend. Yeah. Because Carol Burnett has <clears throat> two books. She has one book about literally her life. Hmm. And it has maybe half a chapter about the Carol Burnett show. Wow. And the other one is, uh, I think it's called, I'm, I'm Glad We Had This Time Together, which is the song she sang at the end. Okay. And, but Tim Conway was, in my opinion, uh, kind of a comic genius. Because they would, yeah. they would do two tapings of their shows on Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. Then it would air on Saturday night. Okay. And the first rehearsal dress rehearsal while they're taping Tim Conway would do exactly per the script line for line spot for spot angle for angle everything the second taping was the one where you had to worry about him getting completely off track and his joy at least in his book he said his his joy was cracking Harvey Corman up and making him bust up during a sketch. That was his ultimate That was goal. like his mission when he was in the second show. Every week. Every week was to do that. So um, there was, a, there's a, there was a, a character that he played and he uh, the character was uh, a Mr. Tudball. He was an office guy. Okay. Yeah, in an office, and his secretary was Carol Burnett, and she, her character was Mrs. Mrs. Wiggins, was was her name, or Miss Wiggins, whatever it was. Well, I didn't realize this, but the the voice that Tim Conway would use for Mr. Tudball was essentially him making fun of the way his grandmother spoke, and she was from like Armenia or something. So Mr. Tudball would talk something like this. And and he, so his his comedy came from that, and there was a, a very famous uh, sketch on the Carol Burnett show with Harvey Corman as he came in with dental pain, and Tim Conway's the dentist. I don't know if you've ever seen the particular sketch. It's it's one that they play on all the Carol Burnett best ofs. Well, in the original taping, he's supposed to come in, and he gets the Novocaine, okay. and he's supposed to instead of 
he slips, and instead of putting the Novocaine in Harvey Corman's mouth, he sticks his own hand. So his hand becomes numb, and the sketch is him trying to work on it, Harvey Corman with a hand it, that's just flopping yeah. all over the place. Well, it was funny in the first taping, but then in the one that aired on TV, because they always ended up airing the one, the second one. The second one. one. And in that particular sketch, he, he not only numbed his hand, he numbed his leg, he hit himself in the forehead with it, so he kept raising the stakes. That's that's smart. And, and he was just you know flopping his arm on Harvey Corman, trying to you know trying yeah. to get, you know well would you move your mouth down here a little bit? And Harvey Corman is laughing so hard, hand to God, he wet himself. Yeah, he wow. actually soiled himself during that sketch. He goes as an actor and as a human being, <laughs> I've never felt more sad and 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 just completely embarrassed. But he goes, he had me in stitches to the point where he goes, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't hold it anymore. Yeah. And he goes, I couldn't get up off the chair because it was just too funny. But he had stuck his legs, he was dragging his legs, yeah. his arms It's interesting. He took a good sketch idea and he made it better by exploring the idea that, oh, I made, I made my hand numb. You know, if you do that at the beginning of a sketch, it's just a one-note sketch. That's mm-hmm. all you have. But if he finds other things to do, then it's about, all right, now how is he going to handle his arm and his leg? How is he? Oh, now he hit his mouth. And now he's, now he's going to talk like the Things like that. Well, you're, you're a, a fantastic stand-up comedian. I've seen you perform. You're great. I think you're a great writer. But comedy writing is, is a weird animal yeah to me i've done sketch writing and it is definitely you need to have a sense of timing and a sense of how is this going to play to a live audience because that's kind of what you're trying to to get that like a sitcom reaction who were who were some of the best guys at that with with a troop the monty python troop oh those guys were in in my opinion some of the best and I read, I, I, I read a lot of books and because I think you find out that there's certain things that people don't talk about, but they'll put in a book. Yeah. And probably, yeah, probably one of my favorite Monty Python sketches, not only my favorite Monty Python sketch, but probably the world's favorite Monty Python sketch is the dead parrot sketch from Monty Python. And in that particular sketch, um, it comes from a different place. So John Cleese, and I read, I read his book, he was literally online at a car repair place in, just outside of uh, London. And he goes, he was, kind of, he was kind of a rural area outside of London, so not really in town. He goes, you know, everyone you know, in town is, oh, you'll need to get four new tiles and get your brakes done. Uh, he, goes, he goes, you know, when you get out into the rural areas of London, you know, here's your talking a little bit like this, you can see what they're saying. So he's standing online to get something done with his car, and there's an argument happening between the mechanic and the customer. Okay. And it was something along the lines of, um, I brought my car in here the other day to get the brakes fixed, and they don't work. Then he goes, all right, did you bring the car with you? Yes. Well, how'd you drive it here if the brakes don't work? Then he goes, I have to keep pushing on them to make them stop. He goes, well, sounds like to me the brakes are working, chap, so uh, what's your problem? Now, my brakes don't work. You need to fix them. That sounds like we already did. And this is going back and forth. Yeah. But this is a legit argument going on. And he is just sitting there grabbing a pencil and writing notes down. Yeah. Because he is seeing comedy happening in, lo- happening in real time yep. live right in front of him. Inspired him immediately. So he goes back 
a couple days later, he's telling Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam and Graham Chapman and Eric Idle, they're all sitting around writing. And he goes, uh, he goes, uh, that sounds like a sketch. You know, we should do that. It'd be great. You know, well, how'd you get the car here? With the brakes don't work. How'd you stop? Did you hit something? You know, and they start ban- mm-hmm. bantering back and forth. And the guy goes, no, we need to do something. We need to do something uh, better. It can't be about a car. Cars are boring. Okay. So he goes, uh, what, you know, what can we do? And he's like, well, um, why don't we make it, uh, why don't we make it a funeral home? You know, bring in a dead body or something. And he goes, no, that's too morbid. And, you know, and then he goes, okay, what about, uh, what about uh, bringing in a, uh, like a, like a dead dog, you know? And they say the guy sold him a dead dog. He goes, no, dogs are too, everybody, everybody's got a dog, it's too personal. He goes, but we've got to find an animal that, you know, that people would relate to, but yet that nobody would really see as a common pet. Right. A sheep. No, not a sheep. Yeah. Here we go back to sheepses and fleecesses. <laughs> this isn't the Carol Burnett show. So they end up settling on a parrot. That's actually a smart choice. And, and, and that's what uh, I'm amazed at comedy writing sometimes. Yeah. We've seen things in our careers that when we tell people about them, they really think we're making them up. Oh, sure. It, it, it sounds like it would be more plausible as a lie than it would be uh, about the truth. So weird things happen during game shows. That's, that's a <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've definitely seen <laughs> that. But, I mean, I, I had an instance where um, a, I was doing a wedding in, at one place, and there was an empty room. There's another wedding going on. That's not uncommon at a, at a sure. facility. You might have three weddings going on at that particular facility that day. Sure. So I didn't realize, people don't realize this, but there I was, and all of a sudden we hear a commotion in the hallway. We walk out and there's the bride that I'm doing and another bride face-to-face getting ready to punch each other in the hallway with crowds of people behind them and one of them's yelling, why are you taking pictures out there where I got married? That's This is my wedding day. Oh, no. And then the one bride's like, listen, bitch, it isn't just your wedding day. Other people have lives too. I got married today too. And they were just, they were literally almost nose to nose. It looked like a, like a pose at a UFC or a, a boxing match. And then one of the grooms, wasn't mine, I think it was the other guy, stepped between them and he put his hands like on both of them to stop them. That's all it took. The electricity exchanged between the two of them. Boy, they, they went for hair, and they were pulling hair and, and, and veils and, and stuff. So we wait about 10 minutes, and my bride comes walking back in the room after they redo her hair and get the veil fixed up. And I'm playing the theme from Rocky. You know, oh and she started dancing. She started dancing and doing the boxing moves. So you, you see things like that, and people would go, no, that's not real. That, that couldn't have happened. It absolutely you did. do enough events, things are going to happen. I mean, things where there's a lot of people and a lot of alcohol and a lot of different walks of life, things are going to happen. Yeah. It's just oh, my it gosh, is. it's insane. Comedy writing is, is, is a skill set that... Uh, um, oh, speaking of uh, great comedy writing, uh, I don't know if you heard. They uh, You know they rebooted uh, Will and Grace? I did see they, that. They rebooted Roseanne, which is now called The, the Connors. And... Um, I thought they rebooted some something else. They rebooted a few things. They were talking about rebooting. Um, they rebooted Punky Brewster. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, some what, what for was, some reason. What was the sh- uh, mad about you? They were talking about rebooting you know, that, I but I never they, saw. Th- I never saw any. Of I that. saw something about that being like a Spectrum original, and they did a, some kind of reboot of Mad About You, but I never saw anything after that. I am excited. The reason I brought this up, they're rebooting Frasier after 17 years off the air. Oh, really? Yes. I just I just read that last night. Wow. That's 
That's interesting. It's going to be tough without. Uh, was it John Mahoney? What? Was yeah, that, he passed away. He's gone. That that would be. That's tough. He was such an important character. But you know, if 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 Niles is on board, if, uh, if Daphne's on board, I, do you know who's agreed well, to it, participate? It's it, it, it said on there that Kelsey Grammer has agreed, and they were still waiting to hear back from. Jane Leeds, I think is her name. Is that Roz? And, uh, uh, no, that, no, that's, that's Daphne. the one that plays Daphne. Um, the Roz character, she can't be doing very much right now. We probably would be I able think to she's get her doing back. Hallmark stuff, if, get, I, if anything. Get her back cheap. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about that. I hope that they do that and do that quickly, because I always thought the writing on oh, that Oh, Frasier is phenomenal. I, it's going to be tough to live up to. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a decade of top-notch writing, and now they're trying it. How is it, 17 years 17 later? years since it's been off the air. I guess it depends on who they've got writing. and, and That's uh, one of the sitcoms that I watched uh, along with my wife. We would watch literally every episode yeah, I on love Netflix Free. and start them in order and watch them in order. We did that with Seinfeld. We did that with uh, Frasier. We did it with Will and Grace. Um, I think the writing is what really attracted me because you know it, it's, it's intelligent. It makes you pay attention. Yes. Yeah, they don't dumb it down and I like that. You know, it's there are shows that that almost kind of rub it in your face, or, or almost insulting, insultingly on the nose, and like that come off that way to me. You know, like Two and a Half Men or or Big Bang Theory, where they just shove the laugh track down your throat, and you, I just. Frasier always came off more organic to I me. I've heard a lot of people talk about how funny Big Bang Theory is. Um, I just never, I never got it. There's a, you know what it is to me. There's a couple of funny characters that like actors have who have talent have created an interesting character, but the writing is so, it's just cliche and canned. The laughter's all canned. It's just very so average in every way, and I sense the lack of genuineness in in the show, the, the the way it flows. Whereas with Frasier, it felt just more organic. The jokes were smart, but they didn't they didn't like ram them down your throat and then and then I would laugh love, track. I would it. love to see Seinfeld come back. I would I, too. I really would. I'd like to see how they would read. I think it's one of the few things that that could come back because you could they could they have to put a little different spin on it. But I think Jerry would want to do that. And and you know something though I though I disagree with. Um, yeah, Michael Richards going off and dropping the end. Oh yeah, no, that was okay. That was he, ridiculous. He but. he hurt his career. He he hurt himself. Okay, the guys paid the price. Move on from it. Yeah. Um, uh, a a a former client of mine, Hulk Hogan, uh, was ostracized and kicked out of the WWE and taken out of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. For using the N word in a private conversation in the, the comfort of his own home. Yeah. And that's where we get into freedom of speech with me. You're allowed to say whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. It's not intended for other people to hear. Right. So, though I disagree with the use of the word in a derogatory manner, especially, um, I'm I'm okay with just let, let's move on from that. Let's quit canceling every single human being who says something that's complete that just you may not necessarily agree with. So, I would love to see them bring back the original cast, and you know, I would just love to see the door open. Hello, Newman. Yeah. I, Hello, Jerry. I, it'd be interesting to see how they would approach it if they would do... Uh, I wonder if they would do a studio audience if they could or not. Uh, you know, factoring out COVID for a minute. You know, if, or if they would want like a no-laugh 
no no studio. I would be interested Tyler to hear. Um, NBC does Superstore and Mr. Mayor yeah, now. Those I, are no, there's no studio audience. I those. think for a show, you should either be no laugh track or live studio only. I think that should be the only way to do it because then you get the organic response and it's up to the writers and the actors to make the audience like it. It's not flash this sign and you laugh when we tell you. I, you know, the smart audiences pick up on that, and it's it's very it's very much a turn off. So I uh, I'm excited. I, I hope that you know Frazier lives up to what we have. I'm expected it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be looking for it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up segment number one. We're going to be back with uh, segment two, which normally follows one. And uh, our featured musical artist this week is who is it this week? Michael Bolton. I celebrate oh, Michael the man's, Bolton, I celebrate the man's, the man's entire, entire catalog. catalog. Exactly. Oh, Michael. All right, we'll be right back. which makes me think of those people close to me. What if there was a way to remember them after they're gone? Well, now there is. My Forever Story. With My Forever Story, they come to your loved one, ask them the questions they choose, and in less than an hour, they have their entire life story recorded in their own words, and most importantly, their own voice. It's uploaded to the secure website and made available for all to hear, even future generations. No more trying to remember Grandpa's favorite stories. Now you can hear him talk about them himself. Your kids and your grandkids will be able to listen to your story from their phone or computer anytime. If you think your kids will read your life story, good luck, but they will listen if it's on their phone. Takes less than an hour, and in most cases, it's under $100. Call the toll-free number 866-913-3. 3263 or go to the website my the number 4 everstory.com my forever story their voice their words their story all staff members wear masks and abide by CDC covid like restriction guidelines throwing it away do you have old furniture that you just don't like anymore instead of throwing it away donating it or selling it at a yard sale then spending hundreds if not thousands of dollars on new furniture consider having your old furniture redone my wife and I did and we don't regret it the bedroom set was great. It was well built. Just the old oak finish was not only worn out, but outdated. The good people at Obsessed Distress Furniture took them and made it look like we had a whole new set. And it was a lot less than paying for a new one. They can do just about any color combination, and adding that distressed look is really in style nowadays. From bedroom sets, dining room sets, to even a simple coffee table and end tables. Whatever your needs, they even sell furniture they've already completed. So visit their website at ObsessedDistressed.com or call 3 352-600-8221 or look them up on Facebook. Obsessed Distressed Furniture, making your old furniture new again. We abide by all CDC and COVID restriction requirements. Well, we were. Uh, Dave Anthony was supposed to say something right he, then. Why, why? He left us hanging. Why the hell didn't he? Uh... Dave, are you paying attention? Welcome to the lighter side of dark. Dave, we that, already welcomed us. That sounded good. But he was supposed to do uh, something else. Let me see if I can find it here. You just gotta. You just gotta knock him on the head a few times. Yeah, we'll f- screw it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, it's time for our featured music uh, artist, and we are talking about a guy who was. 
born on the, today's day. This is this is why I think we chose him. Is he he's having a birthday, yeah. and uh, he certainly is well known and worthy of a spot on our music pro, musician profile or artist profile. Featured music artist, I featured. think is how is how we referred to it. FMA at, featured at, at music the uh, at the production meeting. You know, with, our. with with all the staff, me and you, and oh. having to pay Dave Anthony to be there. That that's a that's you know it's got to start somewhere. Born in 1954, so that would make he him is 67 years old. 67. I believe. Jesus, man, 67. It's getting there. Does he still have the crazy long ass hair? No, he did finally cut that hair, and and, and it's now he's just kind of got this little crown. Actually, I haven't seen him in public in in quite a while, so I'm not sure. What what the hair is doing? Well, I know I, I celebrate the man's entire catalog. I will never forget that line from, from Office Space. It was really uh, your name's uh, Michael Bolton. Any uh, any relation? Any relation to the pop singer? Yeah. No, no, not really. Oh God, because I just oh I love the man. I celebrate his entire catalog. So it was such a great way to word that. And uh, I didn't know he was uh, I didn't know he was Jewish. I didn't know he was a Jew. I, I did not know. I did not. I'm learning learning uh, a lot about artists. Bulletin. Bulletin is his is his given name, and then he anglicized it a, a bit. I guess Bolton is easier to get across, maybe. I guess so. I don't know. It's close. And um, now he was in a heavy metal band, if I remember correctly. He started in the mid seventy. I think seventy five. He started in a metal band that used to open for Black Sabbath or Oz, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah, Ozzy. He opened for Ozzy. And it, had, it, what, what, it was a weird. It was a heavy metal band name. I guess it makes sense because at that point he would have been the right age to be, you know, like heavy music or rock and, and heavier music. And then and it was called it, Blackjack. Blackjack was the name of the band. Yes, yeah. was good, the name good of the band name. It is a pretty good name. Yeah, it, good it, name. And it fits in the seventies particularly, yeah. especially if somebody in the band is twenty-one years old. <laughs> that's true. That's a that's a good time to get started. Um, and it, as it turns out, he, he did a lot of songwriting early, which I did not realize. I didn't know that he had written How Am I Supposed to Live Without You for Laura Branigan. I just I just learned that. I remember his version of it charting. Of, being, Glo- of Gloria fame? Laura, Laura yeah, Branigan. Laura Branigan. I guess wow. 1983, she, had, she sang it because he had written it for her. And I don't think it did that well. I, I, it may have charted, but I, I don't think it did great. And then he did... He released a version, and it was his song, uh, in 1988, which was number one. So that's the only version I know. I was not aware that he had originally written it for uh, Laura Branigan. I always forget this song. This is very, this is such an 80s this intro. This is the song that put him on the map. Yeah, yep. I could hardly believe it. I forget about it, too. And that's probably why he, he led with it is because he had written it and that was probably, he was stringing it from how his point of view. Well, well like I said, we always talk about the song that, uh, that put the artist on the map and this was pretty much it. I mean, he did the cover of, uh, and believe me, we're going to talk about covers when you talk about Michael Bolton. Um, oh, sure. He's... <laughs> done more covers than my grandma on her quilting club uh sitting on the dock of the bay charted um according to this up to uh, number 11 it was on there for 10 weeks back in uh, 88 that's interesting because i don't remember his version of it i don't remember him having a hit with it but that 
I, I, maybe because I remember his ballads so much more. That's what he was really known for. I'll keep talking. I'm going to see. If yeah, I can let's find see. It. So 1987, he did uh, a his interpretation of "Sitting on the Dock of the Bay," and I guess her uh, Otis Redding's widow was very moved to the point where it brought tears to her eyes. So, and and she said, "If I know if my husband heard it." That he would feel the same way, which is I don't he's know if you can get higher praise than that. Raspy kind of blue-eyed. Soul oh, he's got voice. a great soul voice, no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But looking over all of his uh, all of his hits, starting in 1989, going all the way up to 1997, he covered um, Georgia on my mind with uh, Kenny G. Oh boy, there's an '80s power duo right there. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Michael right Bolton and Kenny G. <laughs> exactly, um, but the he's got. But he had, again, he, he's got a raspy enough voice to do that. So you got sitting on the dock of the bay, you got Georgia on my mind. When a man loves a woman, to me personally, that's my go-to Bolton song. Oh yeah, and I've had people who want to argue with me and say, "No, nah, man, you should play the original Percy Sledge version," and so on. But yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys uh, an example of the uh, the difference between t- the two. Yeah, definitely. I'll. I'll vouch for you on this one. Yeah. This is something we talk about in the uh, Fame DJ School. And again, the organ for Percy Sledge here. It's immediately recognized. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it was a great listen song. to the sound quality. That's the main thing. It's it's not a good recording. No, at least it, at least in my opinion, it's it's the, based on what we can do nowadays and what we've heard since then. It's not a good recording. It comes out loud and tinny in the speakers. It's a little it's a little harsh. Um, yeah, it's almost you know. It's yeah. like a screaming. It's kind a of little thing. bit of a wail. And, and again, this is this is us talking from a DJ point of view because we've played both versions, and we played it in the context of having people around. So you know, we know what it hears like when it comes out of our speakers, and just when this comes on. Forty percent more people dance than the original. Oh, at, at least, least yeah, I, I would say yeah. And this is almost four minutes long, where the original is barely over three minutes. So you get more dancing. Yeah. And this little intro gives people a chance to kind of walk on up to the dance floor. Yeah, if you just hear the sound quality between yeah. the two, it's just a better version. He, he has that soulful voice, but they soften it so that when he comes in with his intro, it doesn't pierce your ears the way the way um, Percy Sledge's does. And again, that's that's more of an audio uh, recording quality in in, a, in some ways, but. That's important, you know. That 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 depends. A lot of times, that is the difference of whether someone will dance or whether they won't dance, how it sounds to them, and and that's a you know certainly a good example of. You could play that really any any classy event for uh, that has adults at it, <laughs> and they would they would slow dance to that. Oh, there's absolutely no no doubt. In my you know, mind it's on it's that. one of those safe choices where you can oh let's dance to this. This is a classic. I was seeing if I have the uh, his version of uh, Georgia, but I don't. Um, I remember hearing it, and you know it was definitely a uh, a great a great cover. Sure, yeah, he's got that voice where he can kind of cover certain songs that not everybody can, and that's and he takes advantage of it. It's he, he did get into some trouble in the mid '90s when he uh, 
he got up to as high as number four with Love is a Wonderful Thing. Oh, uh, wow, I forgot about that yeah, song. Good, good, good song, but um, he ended up having to pay the Isley Brothers a sizable amount of money oh. because a court ruled that um, he took significant, the word in the court ruling was okay. significant elements of the Isley Brothers' uh, same-name song. Um, so I, I think he thought it was just going to be a straight-up cover, but then they changed the song so much. And then the Isley Brothers got involved. Interesting. So he, he, did, he did have to come out of pocket a little bit for that. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, I think he can. I think he can manage. He can handle that. He got together with his good friend uh, Kenny G on uh, "Missing You Now" in 1992, uh, number one on, um, the, on the adult contemporary. Charts. Boy, I'm, I'm having these flashbacks now. I, re- I remember when he was popular enough to where he'd release a song and it would chart immediately, yeah. or at least they'd play the videos quite a bit, and and. That's another one I haven't heard in quite some time. His, his last top ten offering was uh, "I said I loved you, but I lied." Also, number one on Adult Contemporary. If you look, if you look on here, and I'm looking in the Bible of, uh, of Top Forty right now, the Billboard Book of Top Forty, uh, the Bible. And uh, please, Brother Maynard, quote the Bible. <laughs> um, he had two number ones: "When a Man Loves a Woman" and "How Am I Supposed to Live Without You." We talked about that, but. On the adult contemporary charts, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, number one on the AC charts. He stuck with what he what he uh, what he knew. He was popular with the old folks. Yep, the adults. Hey, whoever's whoever's buying the records, <laughs> as they say, that's all that Matt says. Exactly. Any I'm other sure. details about his original group, Blackjack? that you can find online there in the, uh, the great and glorious Google? Let's see. Um, other than they opened for... Uh, it was rumored... Now, I don't know if this isn't confirmed, but there was a rumor that Bolton had auditioned for uh, the, a, a lead vocalist position. Oh, when, when, with Black, when, uh, when, uh, when Ozzy left. Before yes. Ronnie James Dio took over, yeah. Heard, heard, the, heard, heard the same So thing that right. was a rumor. I don't, I don't have a, a, a source, but <laughs> that uh, he seems to... Yeah, Bolton's denying it, so maybe that was just one of those things where the fans took it and ran with it. Gee, imagine that, a fan taking a rumor and, and creating reality out of it. So that's really all I can find. They must have not really had much success uh, other than being sort of a middling opening band, and, and it, it seems like he kind of in the early 80s had by then already moved on to writing songs for some of the adult contemporary artists. Kind uh, of, how, kind many, of. how many records has this man sold? I heard it was, uh, I'm going to estimate, it's got to be over 50 million. Oh, I would think so. Oh, here we go. Sold 75 million copies. Wow. Has eight top ten albums and two number one singles. A 40-year-long music career. Yeah, well, you just found out he's 67 years old today. Happy birthday, Michael. Hope you're listening. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Absolutely. Listening eagerly. If he's over in Ireland. We do have listeners in Ireland. I want to say a big shout-out to all of our listeners. Listener, all of our listeners listener in Ireland. In, uh, Ireland, we got uh, we got it. We'll be doing a special uh, St. Patrick's Day edition of uh, the Light of Sound Dark this year. It so is falls, coming up. Falls on the day that we normally uh, do that. And uh, what's he done in TV or movies? He's done. He's appeared in a few things. He's he's got some acting credits. Um, let's see. He's appeared in a, in uh, a couple of episodes of television shows, The Nanny, Two and a Half Men. Um, Let's see. He was... Oh, he appeared on Dancing with the Stars. 
So I'm he's done some reality. I'm sorry to hear that. He did a Pizza Hut commercial about six years ago. Oh, he, he was in the movie uh, Meet Wally Sparks. Meet Wally Sparks I, with it, uh, it's hard Rodney to, Dangerfield. It's hard to believe, man, that the Meet Wally Sparks money ran out. You have he to assume. Had to record, he had to record another record. The Meet yeah. Wally Sparks money ran out. I mean, you never think Meet Wally Sparks money is going to run out, but you have to act like it will. And and he was smart enough to uh, <laughs> to, oh to to look past that. And he did. Also, he also did that uh, video with uh, the Lonely Island, which is that was um, was Andy Samberg's like musical sketch group. He did. Um, was it? I'm a I'm on a boat. Was that how the one? could this? Be news. Well, shut up, Dave. Paul's just, <laughs> Paul's just on a roll talking about. I didn't say it was news, Dave. Talking about, I, talking about our good friend. I just said he he worked with the Lonely Island, which is uh, that group that uh, what's his name? Sam Michael Bull- Bulletin. Bull- Bulletin. Hello, Bulletin. Yeah, and uh, I don't, he I, yeah I just I just found out some more details about the uh, Isley Brothers thing. Yeah, they they he had to pay him five million. Wow. So he had to reach into his, his uh, the Isley Brothers <laughs> accused him of songjacking. Song is that jacking, is that a word? Songjacking. Boy, songjacking. You're the expert that, when it comes to making up words about music. That's rock, rock ballady. That sounds a little uh, <laughs> a little pornographic, if you ask me. But uh, I'll defer to the Isley Brothers. They've they've got enough enough hits. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that that Michael Bolton indeed songjacked. <laughs> I think that's just what. A, isn't that a cover? <laughs> hey, man, you song jacked. But you know what's interesting is I, I, how weird would it have been if Michael Bulletin would have taken over for Ozzy Osbourne? An alternate universe. I would have loved to have seen what would have happened. Black Sabbath. Be now. Yeah. Could you <laughs> imagine going on tour, having to sing Iron Man, and 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 you know you have the the king of the ballads there. I just uh, the the contrast is is just uh, just hilarious to me. The guy who's known for when a man loves a woman and how am I supposed to live without you? Suddenly screams, <laughs> suddenly screaming out, yeah. uh, Black Sabbath, hit crazy train, and <laughs> going off the rails on a crazy train. He's yeah. won uh, three Grammys and three American Music Awards, but uh, Milli Vanilli won a Grammy, so that's true. Obviously, not that hard. He does do a lot of charity work, which is nice to see. Yeah. Um, I know he won the Martin Luther King Jr. Award yeah. and the Ellis uh, Medal of Honor. And uh, he says here he had an on-and-off relationship with actress Nicolette Sheridan. Yeah, they uh, they, they kind of got back together. I think they met in the early... Apparently, you'll never guess who introduced them. His good buddy, Kenny G. Oh, you are kidding me. Introduced him in 1992 to Nicolette Sheridan. And uh, that started, I guess, a whirlwind romance. And then they were maybe back together in the mid-2000s for a while. I'm not sure what happened with that. Uh, I don't, you know, I I try not to pry into Michael's personal life. Other than when we celebrate the man's entire catalog in an episode of Lighter Side Dark. Nicolette Sheridan, where do I know her from? She was in, uh, what what show was it that, uh, was it, boy? Uh, was it Dynasty? Maybe. It was one of those, um, so it was a soap opera, I thought. Desperate Housewives she was on, that, but that was late. Oh, Knott's Landing. Knott's that's Landing? what she... That's where she was on? So Knott's Landing, which was kind of, I no, guess... No, it couldn't have been Knott's Landing. She was on it from 86 to 93. She was on Knott's Landing. 
as Paige Matheson. Uh, see, I was right. She was also on Dynasty as well. So maybe because Knott's Landing, I think, was kind of a, one of those rip-offs, right? So maybe they saw her on Dynasty. Uh, early works, or did she do the reboot of Dynasty? She's a she's a good-looking woman. She's 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 held up. Com- pretty well. I mean, she's not completely biodegradable. You can tell she's at work then. I think, yeah. I, uh, yeah, she was on Knott's Landing, as as, as you uh, have so... So that must have been... Aptly put. I think they were trying to so trying to grab what was left of the Dallas and the... Uh, oh, she was Press. in Utopia. Whatever. Huh. Uh, yeah, Desperate Housewives, as you said. So that was a little bit of a comeback uh, for her, was Desperate Housewives. And I think that's right, or maybe around the time that they dated again. So he Holy only crap, he, she's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, she's she's had a quite a long career. And see, there now I now I figured it out. As soon as I saw her picture, I said I saw her in a movie when she was in her prime, and I went, Oh my God, wow, The Sure Thing. Okay. With John Cusack. Oh. Mid eighties flick, yeah, and uh, yeah, she was young and in her prime in that particular yeah. movie. So enough about uh, Michael Bolton's girlfriend. <laughs> I could spend I could spend another twenty five minutes talking about uh, Nicola Sheridan. When when you sing, when a man loves a woman, you get to date who you want. You can well, I, all I can say is is uh, we, we have to look at the fact that now I have a new joke. It's the best thing Michael Bolton ever did. Nicola Sheridan. There you go, and it's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, 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 the man loves a woman is, is maybe second or third place. <laughs> but we got to put it in perspective here. I thought, I thought uh, this week um, we would also mention that it was almost 60 years ago this week when Johnny Cash proposed to June Carter Cash on stage in Ontario, Canada. Oh, wow. I almost said, let's do Johnny Cash as our featured oh, music wow. artist this week and bump Michael Bolton. The next week, I was going to say, well, we need to do Michael Bolton. Let's bump him. And I just thought we'd just bump, continually bump Michael Bolton until we never talked about it. <laughs> right. But that would have been really funny. But instead... But talking about it now, it just doesn't sound yeah, funny. Okay. No. <laughs> right, well, instead, we get him over with and then move on. Yeah, and that, then. that works out well. <laughs> so um, yeah, our, our next uh, featured artist next week will be the, um, the Monkees... And Mickey Dolan's. We're 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 gonna we're gonna do the monkeys, but it's in honor of Mickey Dolan's birthday. Sure. Um, so we'll we'll talk a little bit about him, and we can't talk about the monkeys without talking about Davy Jones and Michael Nesmith and Peter Tork and 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 the guys. We'll be doing uh, the monkeys. We won't be doing monkeys next week. We'll be talking about the monkeys next week. And uh, we're about going to be coming back with segment number three, Uno Momento, where we will be talking about our Mount Rushmore of the greatest hockey players of all time. You ready for that, Paul? I'm ready. All right. We'll be right back. Looking for a unique and different kind of entertainment for your next fun event? Try a real live TV-style game show at your home or your next event. All your favorites, The Feud, Jeopardy, Pyramid, Match Game, The Really Wood Game, and on and on. This is no board game or DVD version. This is the real deal. Full-blown TV setups, just like going to Hollywood, but saving you the trip to the West Coast. All ages love game shows and styles available to fit all budgets. Call 727-531-8880 or visit the website 
website at gameshowparty.com and plan your next event, being the one everybody will be talking about. Game Show Party, located right here in the Tampa Bay area. Social distancing guidelines respected. Hey everyone, it's Solio from the lighter side of dark. Let's be honest, 2020 has not been a lot of fun so far, and we could all probably use some laughs. When I need some laughs, my favorite place in the world to be is at Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa, Florida. Live stand-up comedy every Wednesday through Sunday night. Nationally touring acts, there's even acts you've probably never heard of that are hilarious. If you've never seen a live stand-up show, I want you to go. They are so much different in person and they are so much better. You feel the energy, you really feel like you're part of something special. Sidesplitterscomedy.com, you can get your tickets online, you can pick out your seats online, so you can sit wherever you want. If you want to be in the back because you're afraid, that's fine, you can do that. Go to Sidesplitterscomedy.com and grab your tickets today. Hey everyone, this is Solio from The Lighter Side of Dark, and I want to talk about my favorite bakery in the whole world, Cuppy Cakes. If you live in the greater Tampa Bay area and you have a special event coming up, a uh, wedding, birthday, getting off probation, I want you to give them a call, go to their website, check out their work. It is impeccable. They've been around since 2011 and they make the most incredible custom cakes you'll ever see. www.ourcuppycakes.com where you can find them on Pinterest, Instagram, or Facebook. Check them out today. I promise you won't be disappointed. Cuppy Cakes, where life is sweet. Now it's time for our Mount Rushmore segment, brought to you by Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa. Hey, Paul, Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa. Hey. He just gave you the lead-in. We just did the commercial for them, so... Uh, who's going to be at Side Splitters this week? Let's pull up their website, which you can be looking at, SidesplittersComedy.com. All right. This week's events. I'm navigating it so easily. Nice. Ooh, Comics Night Out is coming up. Comics Night Out, if, if you've never, uh, if you ever wanted to be a stand-up or try it, Comics Night Out is the open mic that they... I was about to say, it sounds like open mic. It is, it is, and it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It, it really is. It's a lot of fun it to is. do. And so let's uh, see it's, what it's the... Uh, it really is. It's a lot of fun to do. So let's see what who the... the uh, oh, Josh Blue. Oh, love him. Yeah. He's got a, uh, he's got a big special on uh, Netflix right now. Yes. So he may already be sold out, actually, by the time this gets up. But that's good. Good to see him back here. He's, uh, he's always good. And he does have a new special out. Doesn't he Broccoli, owe you, I think. Doesn't, doesn't he owe you money? Josh Blue, I wish. I'd be a rich man if he did. Well, well, if he only owed you 20 bucks, it would make you a rich man. Oh. See? I guess it doesn't have to... Called perspective, Paul. Yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking he would go big. In my mind. Damn. All right. The Mount Rushmore segment uh, is something we have been consistently doing since uh, episode one, season one, which seems uh, a long time ago during the, uh, the year of our Lord, COVID. Um... But we have talked about all different kinds of sports. We've talked about greatest quarterbacks of all time, uh, greatest World Series moments. Uh, I think we'll touch on some more. But um, hockey, sure. hockey players, just plain flat out the greatest hockey players who have ever played the game. Greatest hockey players um, ever. I think there's going to be probably three 
on our list that we're not going to argue about, and then we'll get to the fourth one. We always bounce back and forth on that. Sure. Um, so let's get the let's get the first one out of the way. The great one. So let's Wayne Gretzky. Wayne sure. Gretzky. Let's, let's do um, Wayne. Do Do you think he was the one that made hockey mainstream? Uh, he had a lot to do with it. Uh, really, Gary Bettman is probably the one that made hockey mainstream, the, the current commissioner, because he really has expanded it into the American market and kind of made it casual, watching, friendly in a lot of ways, or that's what the, the goal's been. But, but Gretzky, hockey used to be, you know, uh, a fight with ice skating. Exactly. And, and Gretzky always hated that. He, he was certainly not a fighter. If you, if you look at him, you can tell. But he always was kind of like, he knew it was part of the game, but... He'd always kind of shake his head when people were fighting on the ice. Like, he, he had an active disdain for it. He didn't really want it in the game. And how old was he when he was drafted? 19? Um, he, I think he, he might have been 17 when he was signed. They, it was kind of a weird situation where the Edmonton Oilers kind of lucked into being able to get him from, uh, from like, an amateur draft. They, they really lucked into him, and they just rode his, his, his coattails. He I was, only saw him play when he was a teenager, when he was playing for the... Indianapolis Ice. Oh my God! You saw him play live yes. with the Indianapolis Ice yep. as a teenager. Yep, at uh, Hinkle Field House in Indianapolis, he was playing for the uh, the Indianapolis Ice. Yeah, a, briefly, a, a minor league uh, hockey team, and uh, actually, uh, we're number ninety nine. Oh, he must have lit it up that night. There. Yeah, I think that particular night. I know he had a hat trick. Oh, he had people to. People were throwing people were throwing hats and toboggan hats and yeah. whatever they had uh, out on the ice. And I think I was probably, I don't know, maybe I was 14 or 15 at the time. Yeah. So uh, did, didn't have, it would be kind of like watching Jordan play on a high school team. Yeah, and you don't even know Jordan's Jordan quite yet. You just know, wow, that guy's really good. Yeah, he's really good. And then you find out. Never got a chance to see him in, 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 in professional. No, I didn't see him play either. Not I, wasn't, I wasn't in a city that had a hockey team at that time. And uh, the Lightning ended up coming here, I think, in... Uh, 92. 92. Yeah, 92. The 92-93 season was their first, yeah. So, how, many, how many different teams did Gretzky play for? Because I know towards the end of his career, yeah, he they played. shuffled him around to various cities to draw people. He, uh, he, now, there's, no, there's no other reason why he ended up with the St. Louis Blues well, they, they, and then the L.A. Kings. The Kings, yeah, the, he started with the Oilers. The Oilers traded him to the Kings really for financial reasons. They basically sold him via trade. You know, it was a few players, some draft picks, and a lot of money. So that was really controversial. And he had just met Janet, uh, Janet uh, Gretzky, his, his now wife, uh, who was a model at the time. So he wanted to be in L.A. Talk about a drop-dead gorgeous yeah. So there was that. The reason he was traded from L.A. to St. Louis was because his contract was about to expire, and they weren't going to re-sign him, so they traded him to get something for him. L.A. had a lot of money. L.A. had, they had money. They just, I, I don't know why they weren't going to re-sign him. I think it might have had crappy owners at the time. Um, then, after that season, he did not re-sign with the Blues. He signed with the New York Rangers. That's my favorite team. Played a few years with them just to kind of ride out his career. And that was it. That was. And see, I always thought of that more as a publicity tour. Well, it it was definitely the Rangers general manager at the time, who was Neil well, Smith, was into was signing the biggest available fish, and certainly Gretzky. Even at I think he was thirty five or thirty six. Are you saying that New York teams occasionally go after big name free agents? <laughs> Once in a while. Oh, are you serious? And they were kind of. Uh, you can only imagine Dave Anthony going. And so that's and that's news. news? Exactly. So that that you know was what, really we sounded he, great. We don't need him. No. 
He just chimes in once in a while. He just wants his royalty checks. <laughs> royalty checks. Well, we, we, we knew that Gretzky would, uh, would have to be uh, the number one face that we would carve into the Mount Rushmore yeah, no, just of, uh, of greatest hockey players of all time. Um, you want to go second or you want me to? Uh, you, you go second if you, if you have someone in mind. Gordie Howe. Gordie Howe, Mr. Hockey. Yep, Mr. Howe. <laughs> yeah, how can you not have yeah. Gordie Howe carved into the side of uh, Mount Rushmore? Anyone who plays till they're 50 years old to the point where they can play on the same line with their son for a season, that's a that's a long and... Yeah, it's kind of a Griffey and Griffey Jr. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a physical specimen would be the best way to describe Gordie Howe. He was kind of the opposite of Gretzky, where Gretzky was all finesse and yeah, anticipation. Finesse and technique. And and, uh, and and Gordy was power and brute force. Dude, and Gordy Howe was a hell of a defensive player. Oh, he was a great all-around player. And he was he was often called a, the, the second goalie on the team because he would position himself between shooters and the goal and just be like a wall. And good luck getting the puck from him. You know, he was just so strong. That, that was what, kind of like how Babe Ruth was so much physically more dominant than his peers, that was kind of what Gordy was to his. He just, you know, they call it, there's a reason the Gordy Howe hat trick, they call it. It's a fight, an assist, and a goal in the same game. You know, because uh, that, was, that was like a typical night for him, is he, you know, he fought and he, and he could throw down with anyone because he, he couldn't couldn't beat him up. He's just, you know, he he could fight a lot and not get hurt. That the was only the only thing I remember about uh, Gordy Howe from when I was really young is we were trading baseball cards. That was that was one of the things that my friends and I really uh, thoroughly enjoyed doing. So we would trade baseball cards, then we then we got football cards, then we got hockey cards. We didn't really trade basketball, and that's right. what's weird because I grew up in Indiana. Basketball was it. Huge, yeah. There was, there was no hockey. You got the Hoosiers, team. you got the Pacers. There was no, there was no football team. There was no baseball team. Yeah, uh, it was long before the Colts got there, and but we we didn't we didn't trade basketball cards. Uh, our team at that time was an ABA team, the Indiana Pacers, that were taken in the uh, in the. Uh, What's that called? The merger between the ABA and the NBA. Okay. Okay. Um, the dispersal draft. If something. you ever see the movie Semi Pro okay. with Will Ferrell, <laughs> probably <laughs> one of the greatest <laughs> ABA <laughs> basketball documentaries you'll ever yeah. see. Oh, 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 the you know, now coming out at six six, his brother's a retard, and then you hear, <laughs> like, then you hear the brother. You go, well, you know, his brother does have two forms of mental retardation. <laughs> And he goes, his wife is gorgeous. That woman's not structurally sound. It was just a fantastic movie. But uh, anyway, getting back, we traded cards. And, and Gordy Howe was the hockey card that everybody wanted. That was the one. And I think every kid in my neighborhood had that card at one time or another traded. I had, I had it for a while. I traded it for, I think, a Johnny Bench and Pete Rose and Joe Morgan or something because the Big Red Machine was popular. Yeah. So Gordy Howe, yeah, I would say he... Uh, I no doubt. Of, I think of him as an all-around hockey player. Yeah. He was, uh, like you said, big, strong, powerful. Mr. Good, hockey. You know, fast for his size, oh, yeah. too. With that strength, he generated speed and, and, and power with, you know, with his strides. And, and, and is it, is it, did, did he invent the cross-check? Because <laughs> he certainly perfected it. Uh, I don't know if he invented it, but, but if there was anyone who, who was... Uh, one of the early adopters of I'm going to beat the living piss out of you yeah. uh, and you're going to be bruised by the end of the game. He, he, was, he was one of those who... Yeah, he was kind of like the, the Dick Butkus 
of hockey at yeah. that point. You go, go across the middle. You better know where know. he is. I mean, it, it must be nice to, to know that you are bigger physically than everyone. It's, it's got to be – that's the dream. That's like when you're a 17-year-old playing with bantams, like 14-year-olds. It must feel that way for him all the time when he was playing. That's why he could play till he was 50 years well, old. Well, that's also uh, right now like Derrick Henry – in the NFL, running back for the Tennessee Titans. That, I mean, he must feel like a man playing among boys. How old is he now? He's, he's, I mean, he's, he just crushed a, a 2,000 yards uh, this year. I don't, I don't think he's 30 yet. He might be 30. Yeah. That's old for a back. Yeah. That's, uh, but, you know, he maybe takes care of himself, keeps, keeps his uh, machine when, 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 when teams are playing against the Titans, they, they usually make a linebacker play him on the practice squad. That's how big he is and how fast he is. But that big and fast, that's how I remember Gordy Howe. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right, I'll, uh, I'll throw in my next, uh, my next choice. Uh, this, the man who revolutionized the defenseman position, Bobby Orr. Ooh, Boston no Bruins doubt. Fame, um, really was probably still considered, you know, the greatest defenseman ever to play because of the way he revolutionized just offense from the defenseman you know he could skate like the wind he could he would create he would just skate himself down the ice which was really unheard of for defensemen at the time something um, i remember that uh, that he did uh, and i saw um, i don't know i guess kind of a retrospective about him and they didn't have a lot of really good footage right and that was but he did have a, he did have a technique where he would be breaking for a one-on-one goal mm-hmm and he wasn't as fast, so some of his other teammates would be coming on his right side. He'd do this typically to his right side, where he would skate past the puck and allow his other offensive teammate to swing around behind him, grab the puck, and take the shot. Almost like a drop pass, in a sense, where yeah, he'd screen the like goal. A, almost like a lateral in football yeah. or, or something. He would skate past the puck. It was almost like it was like pre-planned, like act like a screen, yeah, so, for the like goalie, a and, like a pick and roll, yeah. And yep. he, I think, and they they showed that he, they never, I don't know if they ever called what it was or what he called it or whatever. But he had like a in his mind it was a set play, yeah, like yeah. So he would he would be skating really really fast, and then you'd see like the the defense start to catch up, and he would just still keep skating really fast. Yeah, he wouldn't have the puck, and they would be following him, and then and one of his lines would come right behind him, boom, slap shot. And because the goalie's still looking at it. They him. just assume he's going to grab the puck and, and skate to him. So I guess you could call it kind of a no-look pass. Yeah, you know what? That's that's basically what it is. It's like deception. Patrick Mahomes is looking yeah. over there, but he throws it over here. Yeah, like when you look off, a, you know, quarterback looks off a defender. Hockey players, they'll do the same. They'll look off, you know, like they're going to pass, and then they just shoot at the net because they know they're going to look at their eyes. So it's that kind of those little cerebral touches really go a long way, and that that's probably an example. That's... That was one of the reasons Gretzky was so great is his, his mind and his, mm-hmm. his how he could think the game and his reaction and his speed of pro- his processing speed. Did, uh, did you ever remember seeing or or um, any of the classic guys wearing helmets? No, they really didn't start wearing helmets until, God, you didn't see it a lot till the 80s, really. Mm-hmm. 70s, a little, but it really just became a thing in the 80s. Also, equipment. It's kind of like as sticks became really sleek and powerful and the curve became and people were able to lift pucks. Now they can just, you know, flip a puck and, and hit, the, hit the top of the cage 
Whereas back then, it was a little tougher to roof the puck or get it off the ground. So you really need the way they skate and hit now. And the goals the goals didn't uh, disconnect from the ice and pop off if somebody hit it hard enough either. No, they had they were like pegs, and they were jammed down in there, and you would get quite a bruise. Now they have magnets, so it, it has a little give, just enough give. still hurts. Oh, my God. If you, if you slide into one... It's still a big metal goal that you have to dislodge with your body. So uh, now that doesn't feel very good. But yeah. All right. So our three faces so far: Gretzky, Gordy, and Bobby Orr. All right. So there's there's the big three. Now we got to figure out who's the Teddy Roosevelt. To me, of, 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 of this. To me, there's only one answer, and that's Mario Lemieux. Really? Absolutely. Okay. Greatest player I've ever seen. Make make your case. Mario Lemieux? No, I, I'm not saying he's Mario terrible. Lemieux was... But convince me why he should be up there. Mar- Mario Lemieux was the most physically dominant player with his amount of skill that I've ever seen play. The only reason he is not ahead of Gretzky is because of his back injuries, which started in the 80s. Um, he could do... He had the size uh, of, of like a how. He was actually, I think, a little bigger than Gordy Howe. But he had the speed... He was faster and more skilled than Gretzky. Um, and really he, played, he played during the wrong era. Is that what you're saying? He, he Cause, did. Because he played at the same time as Gretzky. He did. And he would always, it's funny you say that, because he would always complain about the grabbing and the holding and the, the clutching. How good would Scottie which, Pippen have been if he oh, didn't God. play next to Jordan? Would, would he be a first ballot Hall of Famer without Jordan? I think he would. Scottie Pippen, I think so. Uh, and he was a great defender, too. But... Lemieux, in my mind, if he doesn't get hurt, he is the best player of of all time. The things I've seen him do with a puck, uh, I mean, he scored off the face-off just because, like, I want to score off the face-off, and they'll drop the puck, and he just decided he was going to score. He was like in another planet. If you watch some of his highlights uh, from the 80s, he, he had this ability to slow the game down where it looked like he was moving in slow motion. And the defenders would just look completely lost as he gently walked by them and deke the goalie out of his underwear. Oh, his, his stick work he was, had, was amazing. It was like it's like watching Tiger Woods yeah. with a uh, with a three iron bouncing bouncing the golf ball up 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 and yeah. then hauling off and hitting it in midair. I Every mean, aspect of he was of the stick. Yeah, he he was the skill of today's players in the '80s with the size of of the big tough players and it was just something I've never seen before the closest I'd seen since him was Eric Lindros but he was another person whose career got destroyed before it ever really got started because of concussions so he never really got to, to try to live up to it well he was the one that had the big giant red circle and target on his helmet because he you know he was just a, a, a goon to an awful lot of people well he skated with his head down because he was always the biggest kid on the ice growing yeah. up and the first time he got clocked was the beginning of the end because he had a severe concussion. And then he started never, never quite came back fully from that. Never. You could see the tentativeness. And I don't blame. You know, you get hit like that. You, you know, you get a concussion playing a professional sport. It's easy to say he doesn't look the same, but there's a reason. I saw Jerry Maguire. Yeah. I read the manifesto. Oh, yeah. I read the manifesto. Yeah. But uh, uh, now Mario, to me, was, was the greatest player that never got to, to be who he should have been, even though he does have plenty of records. And he scored 200, I think he scored uh, close to 200 points one season. He's never really given had a chance to play a full year. Let me ask you this. The, the changes in hockey 
uh, in in scoring and the way they settle games, which I love the shootout. Now. I do too. I, I I always hated looking in 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 the paper to see you know who was leading the the North, who was leading you know the the various uh, divisions and so on. Because uh, the divisions used to be called like Canadian names. It was uh, the Norris division, Norse, the Patrick division, yeah. the the uh, was, uh, the, the, the Sheepses. <laughs> yeah. God, it's been a while uh, now. The Fleeches. The uh, the Adams division. Something like that. The, uh, and I would look in there and I would see like the 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 records look like my high school locker combination. You know, twenty two, eleven, yeah. and six. You know, or I know, thirty one, uh, twenty, and fourteen. Left to 14, right to 31. I, I never liked the idea of games ending in ties just because, well, well, there had to be some other way. The reason I bring yeah, that up no, is out of the people we've talked about here, if they played during the shootout era, which of those four guys we're talking about would be the guy you'd want to take that shot? 100%. 100% Lemieux. It's got to be Lemieux. I would take Lemieux. If, if the argument is these four are all healthy and they're in their prime, who do you want? I take Lemieux every single time. Because they, but that's uh, never really been the, the case. Uh, Coop, uh, the, uh, the, the lightning coach, when they, mm. were, they were asking him, about you know who he considered to be one of the greatest. He he said Lemieux even ahead of Gretzky. Oh, absolutely. But what he said was he goes the reason I believe that is he goes in one on one fast breaks, just a guy and a puck and a goalie. He goes the eyes of the goalie were huge when Lemieux was heading towards them. They were because clueless. they knew they had to somehow you know he could inhale either side of the net with a stick. Yeah, and block as much of the goal as they could. He had such deception, so he could deke and he can shoot, which, you know, sometimes you, you hear guys, oh, he's a good shooter. He's more of a, you know, he's going to move in. He's going to make a move. He's going to deke. He also, he, knew the, he also knew the five rules of dodgeball. Dodge, <laughs> dip, dive, and dodge. That's true. He did. He was able to. Uh, to. So, uh, yeah, um, definitely. And that, and that is a good point. You know, it, all things being equal, who do you pick in a situation where you just want one-on-one with the puck and the goalie? That that's one indication of of why, but but he just really he could do everything. Uh, he just dominated the play when he was on the ice. He had the puck. He controlled the entire flow of of the game. And now let's flip this the other way. Let's say you've got Gretzky and Lemieux playing in the early seventies, late sixties, and early seventies. Yeah. How good are they? You know, I I think they absolutely hold up. Um, the, 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 I don't know if their careers are as long, and I think they get lit up an awful lot. Well, you know, that's I mean, a good question because you had that enforcer protecting the skill guy that, that sort of came about organically over the years. If you flip the script, how well would, would, would Gordy Howe do, for example? I think he'd do uh, in, fine because he's big enough. In today's hockey, yeah. Oh, I think, I think he'd be a manster. I think he'd be... Um, I think that all four of them... Or would be built for today as a defenseman because mobile, offensive, and slick skating defensemen are that's that's what they want today, you know. So he would have fit perfectly today. Um, All right, in a, in a, in a follow-up hockey, um, keeping our our theme. Why don't you think more of the 1980 Miracle on Ice hockey team? How come more of those guys never? made it to the next level it's a good question some of them did but no nobody they were, they were, was, they were good enough to beat 
the, the Soviets. Yeah. They did. They beat the Soviets in the, in the medal round. They didn't. Win, they beat Finland for the for the gold for medal. The, for the gold medal. A lot of people would get that wrong. Right. They still had to win, and they did win that next game, which was they were probably underdogs in that game too. Mm-hmm. Um, but. They, there were a lot of pros that came out, but no, like, legends came out of Davis, the goalie for the yeah. U.S. hockey team, I know he went on to play in the NHL, but he might have. Jay Wells played. He was, you know, journeyman defenseman. Uh, you had, um, what's his name? Eruzioni was signed by somebody, but I don't yeah, think he, he saw much ice time. No, he didn't really have a career, much of a career. Um, a lot of them didn't. There were a few that did. I, I should pull up the roster, because if I, if I see it, I could tell you right away who... Who had a career and just who didn't, but it, I think that speaks to the the construction of the team and the coaching of the team, uh, as to how these kids that was essentially like a ragtag group of college hockey players. It's, it's before pros could play in the Olympics. Yeah, so that's kind of what it had to be. It's like, all right, we need the best. We need the best of the best that we can find that aren't pros. So. Who do we got? And that's kind of what, what the what the feel was. I'm trying to see if the would like to. Here's the. Because I remember, I thought that was going to be the onset of hockey blowing up. I thought that this is going to be the onset. You know, and it, it could have been they didn't know how to market it right until Gary Bettman came along, and a lot of people give him crap because. You know, he's changed a lot, but he's he's the reason that they make millions and millions where hockey was always the, the like the redheaded stepchild of organized sports. It always It's had, considered one of the big four. Now it's the fourth. And it always the big four. Yes. Easily. And I think, you know, Bettman has been trying to change that by making it more accessible. He changed the division names to, you know, Central, as opposed to Norris and Adams. Because and people had no clue. Exactly. So he wanted to make it more accessible. If you weren't like a, a Canadian, people from up north, Canada, Canadians? Canadadians? 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 Canadadians. Yeah, I'm looking at the roster now. Neil Broughton was had a, had a good career, um, but just a good career. Yeah, not like no one here. Mark Pavlich had a had a few good years for the Rangers, and then he, I think he's got CTE because he he's had some episodes of real weird behavior and violent outbursts, and then so I think he's got CTE, which is really sad. But looking at this roster, no one really is is standing out as as like a. Because the, the big names were Ruzioni and Davis. Those were the ones that got all the uh, being the captain, you know, when he had the team come and stand on the podium with yep. him to get the medal and stuff. And those are like the names you remember from that team. Absolutely. What, what, what might have been a neat idea would have been for the NHL to reach out to all of them and say, okay, listen, we're going to divide you guys up and we're going to put you on teams and you're going to start every game and you're going to be recognized by the fans and wear your gold medal. It would have been a great publicity thing to just put those guys on teams, yeah. sign them to one-year deals, pay them a million bucks or something, and which was nothing at that point. Right. And then um, but, but get the word out, get people to show up to see an Olympic gold medal hockey player who's yeah. playing on the team. Start, have him start the game, and then when the line change happens. Yeah, just get a little interest, generate a little interest capitalizing off of that, because really, that that story to this day is still fascinating to me, the, the, the miracle on ice. Anytime I see the game, like, I'll, sometimes I'll come across it on YouTube, but I'm scrolling because it, you know, picks up similar things, to, and I'll, I'll watch some of it, and just the whole, it's just fascinating. These professional Russian machine of a hockey team, that was, they, they were so good, they didn't even have fun, they were just like, it was like, 
you do it as a job you're so good at it and and you're expected to be top notch and 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 they just the u.s team of children <laughs> they were you know 20 year olds and 21 year olds somehow beat this team beating the Ruskies legitimately that you know, was uh, that was that was really kind of exciting yeah, they and played a good game it's not like they lucked into it they 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 played a good game they 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 did they probably you play that game 10 times they lose nine and a half times <laughs> but they, everything went right the way it was supposed to if that's possible to lose nine and a half times Paul would Paul well, find a way I'll to, find a way to say that would happen see you know what I, I really can't argue Mario Lemieux um, I really can't. I was, I was, I was thinking. Okay, I'll find a way to. There's other fantastic players. I'll, I'll find no a way to work in the, you know, the Sidney Crosby's of the world. There's an argument for those the, guys. The, the, the Andrew Chucks. I think it's just they haven't played. Well, Andrew Chuck wouldn't be on that that list, but 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 he's a Crosby. He, he's a name. He's, he's a, a name. name. He's a name that people know from he's, hockey. He's for power play goals. Yeah, I mean, he he was definitely a goal scorer. Um, but yeah, no Crosby. He's that's the thing. It's like we're just doing hockey players. If we did centers or position, then that might Crosby might get on there for centers. Um, but I think if you're just going hockey players and you're taking the four best, what do we have? We have two two centers. How was a was a wing and or is a defenseman? So a good cross section of of players. But yeah, Crosby for sure. I mean, he's that's legitimate. I, I, it's almost like they haven't earned it yet because they're still playing. It's only that. Maybe that's the only thing. So if you guys agree or disagree with our uh, Mount Rushmore segment, you always go to our website and send us a comment. Our email is listener at lightersideofdark.com. Listener at lightersideofdark.com. Go to our Facebook page and say, oh, my gosh, what were you guys thinking? What about uh, uh, Marty St. Louis? Yeah, John or, Bilbo, right? Yeah, I, What about him? Make make a case. Convince us. Uh, tell us we're wrong. We'll, uh, we have uh, complete autonomy, and we will not care about what you say, but we'll pretend like we do. Yeah. Um, so email us. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, next week, we're talking uh, featured musical artist, The Monkees. Uh, talk a little bit, of, little bit about uh, Mickey Dolan's. And um, Michael Nesmith, who was on the Monkees, he was the first one to just kind of leave the band and not really give a shit. Oh, was he? Okay. And there was some. There was he either invented something, or he married somebody. We'll have to look that up for next yeah. week. Yeah, going into next there week. There was a, I, I, I've drawn a complete blank on what it was. But That's right. That'll give us some. That'll give us something to to uh, strive for. Because they had they had a little resurrection back in the uh, late eighties on uh, MTV. Interesting. Yeah, big a big monkeys uh, thing there, and uh, like a reunion. Uh, and there is there is plans to do a movie. Huh. And it's, uh, I think the movie is entitled uh, Here We Come. Is what it's okay. it's called, which is the beginning of their uh, theme. That's Here right. We come. Just walking down the street. That's right. The the opening theme. I, I'd be very curious to see who's gonna who's gonna play, um, because you you gonna, you're gonna need a Brit or somebody who can do a hell of a good British accent to do uh, Davy Jones. Yeah, that's true. So that'll be next week, and our Mount Rushmore segment next week. I know this is one of your favorites, Pauls. Right in your right in your uh, in the pocket, as they would say, right in your in your zone. Great dictators. Oh, great dictators. It's That's an interesting way to, an interesting adjective to choose. Great dictators. Yeah, and, and much like we did the Eddie Van Halen commemorative greatest guitar players of yes. all time, I think we should call this one the Donald J. Trump 
commemorative, commemorative uh, yeah. greatest dictators of all time. Yeah, he doesn't get on there. He's a wannabe. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. I, I would try. I would never yeah, put his face on anything no. except maybe a maybe mug, my mug, toilet paper. Mug shot. Mug shot and, a, and, and a, yeah, that's about it. Mug shot would work. A waste paper. Well, everybody, hope you enjoyed uh, Season 3, Episode 3 as much as we did in making it. Um, my name is Smith. I'm over here at the main controls, and that would be... I'm a co-pilot solio. Uh, running the uh, the computer and all that good stuff. A big uh, shout out to our friend Dave Anthony for a wonderful announcing uh, gig today. Uh, great job. And for making us feel good about ourselves every intro. Absolutely. How we're really special. So we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, Wednesday, our regular day of the week next week. Uh, we got a late start this week because Paul wanted to spend time with his lovely wife. How dare I? Anyway. All right, guys. Uh, well, Paul, it's been a pleasure working with me. It really has, hasn't it? Yeah. Right, guys, uh, well, and we will see everybody next week. Enjoy. Stay safe. Wear your masks. And we'll all get through this. Bye, guys. Lighter Side of the Dark podcast is a brainchild of DJs Rob Smith and Paul Solio, a weekly podcast recorded in the famed DJ School Studios in Spring Hill, Florida. Original music provided by Seth Book and a local Tampa band called Utska. Announcer, Dave Anthony. Nothing in the podcast is meant to be taken seriously for entertainment purposes only. Written and produced by both Rob Smith and Paul Solio. Divisions of RSP Events and Entertainment and Solio Entertainment. Edited by Rob Smith. Written by Paul Solio. Hey everybody, Rob Smith here from the Lighter Side of Dark. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your busy day to listen to one of our podcasts. Don't be afraid to go back in the archives and start at the beginning. Season one, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, but first of all, thanks for being a listener. We do appreciate it.